I, uh, at the same time as I started doing stand-up, I was also an improviser. I'm Jared Berenstein, and you're listening to Birchwood Podcast. You're live with Shanene. <laughs>
You're listening to Birchwood Podcast. It is Friday, October the 11th, 2019. This is being recorded near St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. And technically it's Grand Bay Westfield, but who cares? It's Shane Ogden. You're live with Shanene. Thank you for tuning in. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for subscribing and sharing with a friend and doing all the great things that you do. What kind of Friday are you having? Are you trimming your beard? Maybe getting some lint off the coat? Maybe wishing that girlfriend of yours had one less cat? Maybe you wouldn't have to spend so much fucking time with that lint brush. What do you think? What kind of day you having? There are no cats in my house. It is a cat-free zone, and I'm a dog person. So that's who I am. I don't mind a cat. I'll visit a cat, but I'm not spending any real time with cats, and I'm not going to live with cats unless my girlfriend forces the issue, which so far, my sweet, sweet leashy has kept the cats at her mother's house. And I fucking think that's where they belong. Nannies need cats, not families. No, I don't need to be sifting through sand. Ooh, slip of the tongue there. Hi, Shand, if you're listening. Um, She's a local comedian. Um, Yes, uh, I don't need to be sifting through sand hoping to find shit nuggets, okay? I don't understand cat ownership. I don't understand how you could love something that much. That you would get down and smell the pneumonia. God, I hope you have a mask. I'm sure there's a clean way to do it. If you really love cats, you know, I'm sure you just love getting the brush and, you know, brushing them. Making sure they have some kind of a carpeted plywood tree that they could scratch. Get the relief on their claws and their compulsion to rip, 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 so they don't rip your couch. What a fucking nuisance. I don't understand them. My girlfriend, completely the opposite, loves kitties, takes me to her mother's house, and all the cats flock to the dog lover, me. They just, I don't know. I got a thing with cats, you know. They they fucking love me. It's like they know that I don't love them. I love them in the sense that we're all God's creatures. You know, you gotta love a fly and a moose and a cat and a dog and a fish the same way. But my girlfriend has no love for spiders, but still won't kill one. She'll put it in a cup and put it outside. Has made me do it a few times. Welcome to Birchwood Podcast. I hope you're having a good Friday. It's October, isn't it? Did you get your pumpkin? Are you having your fucking pumpkin latte? Did you wait 45 minutes in the goddamn line to get one? It was worth it, right? For that lukewarm, chocolatey potpourri. Fuck that. I hate pumpkin spice. Here's a list of all the things I hate. I hope you got some time. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm trying to get rid of negativity. Get it out of my life. Because as you know, it's all in how you feel, isn't it? It is. Speaking of how I feel, I miss my son. I miss him so much. I hardly ever see him, and it just makes me sad. It really and truly does. I don't, um, you know, have any particular reason for saying this. I just feel an absence in my life. And it is my 17-year-old teenage son, who, by the way, uh, Casey Ogden is amazing. He's amazing. Uh, he, he works hard. 
when he's not working at home for me. Uh, he is, uh, he's got great grades, uh, until he slacks off and then we have to kind of encourage him a bit. Um, he has a, a beautiful, funny girlfriend. He is, uh, involved in a lot of activities in school. I think he's some kind of a student council leader. I'm not sure exactly the title, but it's something to do with enthusiasm or cheer or spirit. Maybe it's spirit leader, something like that. He also plays saxophone. He uh, in the in the high school band. He he's taken trips to Toronto uh, to to play for other schools. Um, he is uh, so he's a musician, and now he's delving into the world uh, of acting, and he's a thespian. He's playing the role of Prince Charming in the Harborview High School production of Into the Woods, which uh, I guess is some kind of fairy tale mashup. The, the kid is incredible. Uh, the problem is he has no time for his old man. His old man is not cool anymore. But the truth is, when it's him and I one-on-one, -on -one, uh, there is some special bonding time. And it is uh, nice to see my son. And I, and I love my son and I love spending time with him. I just feel like there's not enough uh, time uh, for us right now. And I know it'll come around full circle. But you know, when he was a little toddler, he was my fuzzy-headed little boy. And uh, I was an idiot. And I uh, ran the roads trying to do comedy. I traveled uh, trying to provide for my family when I was in Saskatoon and Nunavut doing electrical when I was... Uh, doing comedy in Calgary, Edmonton, Alberta, everywhere uh, out west, and in Ontario when I was doing comedy in Hamilton and Burlington and uh, Toronto. Um, all of the things that I did over the years, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I, I was really just away uh, from my son for about three years of his life total. And that is three years spread out. It's not three years straight, but it was still enough of an absence that I feel like in some ways I lost the connection to my son. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Um, I came around full time again when he was, <clears throat> you know, around uh, five years old. And uh, and I don't know, man, they were, those were the formative years, you know, when he was two, three and four. I, I miss those years. Um I think about that a lot. And I know it's far removed from his teenage years. And by the way, this is the segment of the show called Dad Talk. Dad Talk! Dad Talk! What the fuck are we talking about? We're talking about being a dad. There, I hope you enjoyed my theme song. Alright, so this is Dad Talk. I'm talking about me and my son and our relationship and how I feel like our connection has faded. I've talked to him about this. He doesn't feel like it has faded. I tried to do a podcast with him. He wasn't into it. Uh, and, and I respect that, you know, some people, it's just not for them, you know, and he, he's just not ready to talk, you know, and, and, and also he's going through the awkward teenage years, which by the way, I think he's handling like a champ, you know, we, we, we didn't sit down and f have a full on, uh, discussion about everything, but, but we, we covered some bases. We covered, uh, sexual health and wellness. We covered drug uh, abuse and uh, the problems with alcohol and drugs, and, um, you know, as far as I know, he's he's taking it pretty even keel on all of these subjects. 
I'm sure that he's had a, a sip of drink. I'm sure that he's had a puff of weed. I, I don't know for sure. I'm hoping not. And I know that sounds very Baptist of me. Very, very strict, very right-wing, very conservative, very uh, limiting. I know, I know these parents, they just assume their kids are out there fucking smoking and drinking everything out there. But I just don't think that's the case with my Casey. I really don't. Um, and I don't think I'm in denial. There are times when he's so tired, I wonder if he's high. But I remember being a teenager and actually being tired. Because your body's growing, you're, you're turning into an adult, aren't you? So this is still dad talk, and I have a story. So I'm, I'm, I never see him. He's at his girlfriend's house. You know, even now he's spending overnight at his girlfriend's house, being a 17 year old. Um, I guess I have no legal right to tell him no, don't go. Right? I'm like, wear a condom. Don't get a girl pregnant young. I did that with you. I don't regret it. However, I can't say it was easy. So please uh, hold off on making me a grandfather if you don't mind. So, um, you know, he comes and goes. Our house is just like a hotel to him. And, and I'm always happy when he's there. Um, but he's not there enough uh, for my liking. You know, I wish that he had more time for his old man. But when you're doing, you know, you're, you're into band, you're into acting, you're into... All these things. It's not a lot of time. So he's home. I'm doing the dishes. And I, I run over to talk to him. Because I'm like, oh, this is my chance. This is, this is a shooting star. I get to see my son, you know. I mean, I look into his eyes and I see myself. And I'm just like, wow, there's my son, you know. And I ask him how rehearsal has been going. And he tells me how exhausted he is. And, and I say, uh, you know, we share a laugh together. I was... Uh, telling him about uh, different things that that I've been going through, and uh, and it was really nice. It was really nice to catch up with Casey. And as I was taking a thoughtful pause, I went, "Oh my fuck! I left the dishes. I left the sink running. I have never done that in my life. It must be early onset Alzheimer's. I'm an idiot. I'm a moron. How could I fucking do this? I'm like fuck, 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 fuck. So instead of getting a hug goodbye from my son, uh, he's like, oh, "Okay, Dad, I gotta go." Because his girlfriend came to pick him up and he's going to his girlfriend's for the night. And the water is just over fucking flowing. It's going into the kitchen. Uh, uh, it's it's all over the floor. It's in the knife and fork drawer. It's in the drawer that keeps the little sandwich bags and the tinfoil. It's in the drawer that keeps the weird shit, the spatulas and shit that they don't quite fit in the knife and fork drawer. And then it also fills up. The only fucking drawer I needed, the drawer that has all the fucking dish towels that would have been good to mop up the water. Uh, so I'm like, oh my fuck, I turn off the water and I'm looking at this overflowing sea of bullshit and I'm like, shit, fuck, shit, 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 fuck. I'm like, quick thinking I grab my shop vac and I start sucking the water out of the sink because it's still overflowing and it's going into the shop vac and uh it's still dripping everywhere. I open up the kitchen, uh, the fork and knife drawer. It's half full of water. It's pouring down into all the other drawers and cupboards and everything, just making a goddamn mess. So I'm taking my shop vac outside, dreading cleaning out those drawers, and I'm dumping the water out. And then Taz runs between my legs. And he goes under the deck, and he won't come out. He's run away, but not that far. I know he's safe. 
but I didn't know that at first. So I'm like, Taz, I swear to God, get back here. I don't have time for this shit right now. And and I got to tell you about our dog, Taz. Uh, Taz is Leashy's dog. And he's a roly-poly, kind of a chubby little bugger. And um, he's a terrier, we think, Bichon mix. Uh, he's got, he's a cute dog. He's got these uh, cow patterns on his belly. And, and if you look under his eyes, you can see pink and black. And it's it's like a cow. It's like a cow pattern was stamped onto a little pig. And then he's covered in white fur. I call him my baby polar bear. I love this dog. Um, but anyway, I don't. I didn't love him this day because he fucking ran away on me. I was like, fuck, Taz, come on. I don't have time for this shit, you know. But the thing about Taz is he's a very emotional dog. Maybe that's why I connect with him so well. And whenever he hears a commotion, he thinks it's bad and he wants to stay away. So the more upset I'm getting, the more fucking upset he gets. And he's 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 like run under the deck and he's like, I'm sorry, stepfather. I'm going to stay under the deck now until you calm down. <laughs> That's exactly what that little bastard did. He stayed under the deck and I had the flashlight. So I looked under the deck. I knew he was there. I was like, thank God. But he's way, way the fuck under. You couldn't get to him. Um... So I calmed down and I was talking to him and I kind of talked through my emotions. I was like, you know, it's not your fault. Uh, Pappy was upset because I'm called Pappy because his father, he has an actual father. Uh, they, 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 this dog was uh, purchased or, or, or collected uh, in a previous relationship that Lee, she had. And so uh, I am the stepfather and the, and I can't be called daddy because it'll fuck him up he'll think he'll get excited thinking his daddy's there so i'm his stepdad i, I drop him off every other weekend uh, to his stepdad's house i open the car door he runs out to his dad and then uh, his dad when i pick him up opens the house door and he runs into my car and that's our life uh, i'm a stepfather to this beautiful dog and uh so so i'm pappy <laughs> i'm like come on come out from under the deck pappy is not mad at you. I'm sorry I got upset. I did a stupid thing. I, I, I let the water overflow in the sink. Come on out. Come on out, Taz. <whistles> Come on, Taz. Come on, buddy. Come on. I'm sorry. Come on. I'll give you a treat. You want a treat? Come on. Let's get a treat. He's like, fuck the treats. You're an asshole. Like he just, he even had his back turned to me. Like a, like a child. It was like, oh my fuck. He's actually giving me the cold, silent treatment. I'm like, son of a bitch. What am I going to do? So I looked in the fridge and uh, I have this weird habit when I cook bacon, I cook it all. I don't cook half a pound. I cook the whole fucking thing and then uh, I'll put uh, bacon in the in a Ziploc baggie. So if somebody wants it, they can grab it in the morning. And um, so I had some bacon left over. So I heated that up and I got that smell going. He couldn't resist. But I didn't grab him right away. I, I let him have the bacon. I patted him and I said, I'm sorry, it's okay. So by the time I, I went through this emotional roller coaster with, with my little dog Taz, uh, I felt better and I was able to clean out the kitchen drawers and I, I emptied the drawers and I put them by the heater and dried them out and washed all the dishcloths and, and everything was fine. Unfortunately, this process took me about three fucking hours. <laughs> Oh my God, it was a fucking nightmare. It was just a situation that spun out of control and I couldn't catch it. Did that ever happen to you? Because it was like somebody threw me a football covered in butter. 
I was like trying to catch it. I just couldn't catch things that were happening. And in, in this whole process, uh, my son went to his girlfriend's house and, and I didn't see him. And I, and I thought about him after that, you know. But anyway, Into the Woods, Harborview High School in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. This Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, 7.30 to 10.30. It's a mashup of all the fairy tales. My son, Casey Ogden, plays Prince Charming. So check that out if you're in the city. What else do I have to tell you? There's so, there's so many things that happened this week. I'm glad you're spending your Friday with me. This is going to be fun. Later on the show, Jared Berenstein, funny comedian. We had a pleasant conversation. I'll tell you all about it in a minute. Um, yeah. Oh, what else happened? Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I bought a new drill today. Bought a brand new drill. Yeah. I love, I love buying new shit. You know, it's, it's just feels good. Doesn't it? Yeah, but in this particular circumstance, it's a little bit soured because, um, unfortunately, I lost the drill at work. So I had to take almost $300 out of my own money and, and, and I had to buy a new drill. Well, okay, okay. I didn't have to buy a new drill, but I had to buy a new impact and <clears throat> the impact was $200. And in this particular case, uh, there was a deal on, and it was $200, and you get the drill and the impact drill at the same time. So I got a drill out of the deal by losing the impact, right? but I had to pay 200 plus tax of my own money. And when you're at the Home Depot, you just can't fucking help it. I said, I need one of them Milwaukee organizers. This show is not brought to you by Milwaukee. I mistakenly said that brand name. Now I've said it twice. God damn it, Milwaukee. Send me money. By the way, uh, ask me about sponsorship and advertising opportunities at birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And I will set you up with a sweet deal on promoting your local business. All right. Anyway, there's a plug for you. Buy a mug. Anyway, so uh, I bought a fucking drill. It came with another drill. So it's like two drills for the price of one. Plus... Home Depot had these, uh, This it's called Battery Days on right now. If you buy this drill set, you'll get a free battery that comes with it. So all my uh, construction working uh, or homeowner uh, listeners that, that need a drill, go to, go to Home Depot on, uh, before October 16th, maybe? Yeah, by the time you listen to this, it might be too late. Who knows? Anyway, I got a, another battery. So I got three batteries, two drills... Only one belongs to the company uh, and, and whatever, right? So, I, I, fuck me, right? So, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I'm down $200, but on the other hand, I got a drill. So, is life so bad? I, I, I hate losing money. You know, I can take a $200 loss. It's not going to drive my family to the poorhouse, I hope. <laughs> you know what drove me insane? Okay, so I talked about my dog, Taz. I have a dog named Sparkle. Now, my daughter named this dog Barbie Sparkle. I've probably bored you to death with these stories because I've had this dog. I've had this dog for a long time. I had it with my ex-wife. She didn't want it. I ended up in this new relationship because of this dog. This dog has been in my life now for, you know, I don't know, half a dozen years or more. And it's, it's a, it's a good dog. It's a nice dog. I like the dog, but, uh, I don't know. I don't have that connection with this dog, you know, I don't know. My, but my girlfriend, on the other hand, this dog 
worships Lishi. Like, Sparkle will follow her to the bathroom. She'll sleep with her. She just, she will not leave Lishi's side. And her name is Sparkle. My daughter named her when she was three. She named her Barbie Sparkle. And uh, she's a terrier pug mix, or a tug. And she's a nice dog and everything. But, um, you know, she won't go out when it rains. I mean, okay, she will if you drag her. But, uh, so I, I take her out anyways. And she pulls on the leash, and I'm taking her. I'm like, look, I don't care if it's raining. You still got to pee and poop. Go poop, sparkle. Go poop. Go poop for daddy. Come on. I can see I can say daddy because I'm actually her daddy. All right. Now, if Lishi leaves me, she takes Sparkle with her. Maybe Sparkle will have a stepdaddy. But for now, daddy's in the house. Daddy says, you go and pee in the bushes. Right. Good. All right. So point is, a lot of times when it's raining and wet, even though I take her outside, uh, she won't poop. So she decides, I know it's raining. I'll shit in the fucking house. Why? She's been such a good dog for all this time. And now she's a house shitter? That's not fair. I fucking got you trained to poop outside. Everything's cool since you were a puppy. And now you want me to pick up your shit in my fucking living room. Oh my god. Oh my god. I had to remind myself that I'm not a violent person. You know? It just, uh... Shit, shit in the house makes me angry. That's classic dad mode, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Call me old-fashioned. I don't like shit in the floor. Anyway, I guess there's worse things in life, but hopefully this trend will not continue. It's happened twice now, and it's really pissing me off. Sparkle, if you're listening. Sparkle's probably an avid podcast listener. Get it? Podcast? Podcast? Oh, my God. It's great comedy like that that keeps the Birchwood Podcast listeners entertained. All right. So, buying a new drill sucks. Uh, uh, we did the Sun Affection Sink Overflow and uh, Dog Shit on the Floor When It Rains. What an action-packed 20 minutes you just heard. Wasn't that fabulous? And, and it's, it's October the 11th, and it's Friday, and you're about to start your weekend. Uh, tomorrow, I'm taking half a day off work to get my new whip. I got my, my new car, new to me. It's an 04 Pontiac. And I, I you know, it, I forget how many miles is on it. Maybe 116,000 kilometers, something like that. For you American listeners, 2.2 kilometers per mile, right? So, you know, let's say, say 50,000 miles on it. Not bad. Not a bad little car. Uh, no rust. But this, this, this car was a deal that that my boss gave me so so wonderful so thank you boss if you're listening uh it's i'm very excited to drive it i've been driving the company van now for a month trying to get this goddamn car on the road it's it, look i haven't got a complaint in the world about the car here's the thing it belonged to uh his wife but his her her son drove it his stepson or something so uh a tire was severely slashed. I don't know what the fuck this kid drove through. But anyway, uh, my mechanic buddy who looks over all my new-to-me cars said, uh, I'll take a look at that for you. So he took a look at the car. He said, geez, that's a good car. He said, you should get it. I said, great, I'll get it. Worked out a deal with my boss. He said, good, great. 
So I'm about to get it out of his driveway, and he goes, that tire is uh, on a 15-inch rim. All the other tires are 16-inch. Damn it. So I said, do you have the other 16-inch rim? So he says, yeah, sure, somewhere. I don't know, look around. It was on the back deck, and the tire was just rode off, just so gnarly and ripped. So I was like, shit. So um, I went, I noticed that, well, he also pointed out that the automatic windows uh, were not uh, working so properly. So I ended up going to uh, this auto body shop, a mutual friend of ours. I said, can you fix it? You know, if it's a few hundred dollars, that's fine with me. Ended up being $500 to fix the windows. I was like, oof, that's a little steep. But he explained it to me. I had to order parts in and... You know, it took a lot of labor, and, you know, so whatever. But I found, I, I thought 500 was steep to fix two automatic windows. But I have never fixed an automatic window, so I will not judge. Anyway, I got the automatic windows fixed, and he said, you know what? Uh, I'll throw on these tires for you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I was like, great. So I got tires off of the Divorce Mobile, which is all RIP to the Divorce Mobile. All my listeners, if you know about the Divorce Mobile, that car had been with me for probably six, seven years. Like, it, it's been a long time. Um, my best buddy, Dale Tower, uh, gave me that car when the divorce happened. And I drove it into the ground. And it is now in a field on concrete blocks with no wheels on it. Because I was going to take the old wheels. Right, They were 16-inch rims. I was going to put them on my new whip. So what happens? The fucking rims don't fit. So here we are, a month into this shit. I'm not, I haven't even told you about Service New Brunswick yet. Oh my fuck, they should take the word service out of that name. Anyway, so, to make a long story ten times fucking longer, three of the rims are 16-inch, one of the rims is 15-inch. I got the old 16-inch rims off the divorce mobile. I was going to get them changed over, and they don't fit. So fuck me, right? What are you going to do? So tomorrow is all about getting the tires straightened out. I had to take half a day off work to do it. Because, of course, the motherfucking tire place isn't open on a Saturday or a Sunday, so fuck me. I don't understand these businesses that aren't open on the weekends because, God damn it, that's when people have time to do shit. You know, you go to make a dentist appointment. How's Friday at 2? Terrible. You know where I am Friday at 2? I'm up a motherfucking ladder trying not to fall off, fucking trying not to zap myself with some electrical wires. That's where I'm at 2 o'clock on Friday. And I don't want to take time off and lose money just to fucking accommodate your schedule, schedule, however you say it. Anyway, so to make a long story even longer, uh, I am going to fix it tomorrow. And I'm going to be driving my new car this weekend and it will all have been worth it. I forgot to tell you about the hellscape that is Service New Brunswick. Uh, to my American listeners, it's like the DMV. You stand in fucking line. You get a number. Uh, you go there with all of, you know, you go there with a stool sample, urine sample, blood sample, uh, your birth certificate, uh, your your cable bill, your fucking uh, lease agreement, your home and then uh, you go there with all of the things they've ever asked you for in previous experiences, and then they tell you, uh, I'm sorry, it's not enough. So that's what the fuck happens there. So I hope you know when you go to service New Brunswick, there is no service. It's complete horseshit every fucking time I go, and I'm specifically talking about the St. John location, and there are a few lovely people that work there, but they're, for the most part, uh, very rigid on the rules. So nobody knows what the fucking rule is. 
about the blue book value and if it's under over a thousand people think they know so i got them to write me a receipt for a thousand dollars because i was told if it's a thousand dollars or over then you don't have to pay uh to get a new inspection it's written so i got a receipt for a thousand dollars here it is written right on the registration it's now my car i'll pay the tax on the car and then it's my car right service new brunswick no shane nay it is not your car because I'll tell you why. Because uh, if it's a thousand dollars or under, you got to get it reinspected. If it's a thousand and one dollars, then you don't you don't have to. And I'm like, are you serious? We're talking about a fucking dollar here. I'll write a new amount. She's like, you can't change it. You got to go get an inspection. So then I had to go get an inspection done, and that took another almost two fucking weeks. I've been a month trying to get in this goddamn car, so tomorrow I'm going on a very long drive. I cannot wait. I'm going to fucking drive my car. It's going to be fantastic. <sighs> so that was in Shane's head this week. In Shane's head, in his head. Zombie, zombie. I haven't played the uh, the lead track in a while. I just got uh, thinking about it, and it, you know, I liked it because at at the time when I started this podcast, I was feeling shitty, and I've slowly been feeling better about myself. I've slowly been feeling more confident and happy, and I gotta say, it is thanks to um, this job that I have which is a miracle. It's been a miracle. It's made all the difference. To actually have money and, and you know, be able to buy my kid a new pair of shoes or, or take my kid to a movie or take Leashy out to dinner or, or even just to pay the bills, um, man, I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you uh, what a difference it's made in my life. I, I feel like I can breathe a little. And uh, so so I don't, I'm trying to stay away from negativity, and, and, and so that song just kind of, you know, it's about struggle, and, and I don't feel like I'm struggling as much now. I'm feeling good, and I hope you're feeling good, and I hope you enjoy this episode number 32. Here is my interview with comedian, comedian sorry, Jarrett Berenstein. So you um, are American, and you're visiting Canada doing comedy. Yes. Do you visit all kinds of places in Canada all the time? Um, not a lot. You know, I uh, at the same time as I started doing stand-up, I was also an improviser in New York, comedic improviser. And, maybe uh, maybe if we stand over here, it'll block the wind a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, comedic improviser, and so we have been on tour... Uh, we've done shows in Montreal, we've done shows in Toronto, but uh, this is my first time doing stand-up in Canada. Uh, although, one time when I was on improv tour in Toronto, I got booked on a couple of gigs, and one was in a small town outside of Toronto called Ajax that was very difficult to get to. Uh, but yeah, no, I think this will be my first like actual legit tour. Uh, That's going awesome. through Canada, yeah. Well, you're a natural at it, I'm, but it probably has a lot to do with your experience as a comedic improviser. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely helped, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't fear going off script the way that I, maybe I, I, I would have had I not had so many years of, uh, of improvising before that. But yeah, so yeah, I thank, I thank goodness for that. So where do you live? Uh, I live in New York. 
Uh, New York City? New York City. That's wow, right. that's expensive. It is expensive. <laughs> uh, you know, I, uh, I lucked out. You know, every, every, like, thousand New Yorkers that you meet will have a story about, like, the most amazing apartment that no, no one else in the world gets. Uh, and I'm that guy. I just happen to have a, a friend who had a really nice apartment. He lets me stay there for a relatively reasonable amount of money. So, well, you know, I have to make more friends in New York because that's where comedy's happening, isn't it? I mean, that's one of the great places to go. But, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky said, I think, something like, you don't want to go where the puck is going. You want to go where the puck is going to go. You don't, don't want to go where the puck is. You want to go where the puck is going. Uh, and so uh, New York, as incredible of a, of a comedy scene as it is, like, it, people, everybody knows about it. Everybody knows what's going on in New York. There's a thousand shows. There's a thousand open mics. There's a thousand comics. Uh, if I were a young comic right now, I would go to the next city that was going to be huge. What do you think the next city that's going to be huge is? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I want to say... Uh, Ohio. <laughs> well, that's a state. First that's a of state, all. yeah. Uh, There's no city of Ohio. Maybe Austin, maybe Atlanta. Austin's you know. always been popular with music. It's mm -hmm. only natural. People go to live shows. That's true, yeah. And people are people, and people like to laugh. I keep so. hearing about Atlanta, too. Like, a lot of great shows going down there. Uh, D.C. is another good place, also because it's really close to New York. Um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, not not to say that there's no value in going to New York now, but you know, I think that uh, if if I were if I were a young comic, I would want to start out somewhere else probably. Uh, what's what's next for you? What do, what do you think you're gonna do? Like, uh, I mean, are you gonna keep touring? Are you gonna keep going with the uh, comedy? What did you call that? Uh, improv, uh, improv comedy? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I still do improv uh, in New York. Uh, what do you like better? Is it is it? It's so I gotta tell you, it's really different. It's so satisfying to write a joke that works time and time again that you can control that you can take from town to town and you know exactly where the pops are going to be and every time you do it it gets a little bit better and better and you add things to it but then improv is just pure it it's just it's just pure fun and you know that 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 sense of uh, uh, joy that you get when you write a new joke that you've never done before. You get to do that every night on the improv stage. So yeah, I, I wouldn't give up either of them. I know? love your material. Thanks, I think it's man. so well written and so well executed. Um, I can't wait to see you again. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, JarrettBerenstein.com. I know it's difficult to spell, but. Uh, uh, I'm sure you'll put it on the link. Or I will. I will. I'll link it up. Uh, Jarrett Berenstein on Instagram. Uh, just Jarrett at Twitter. J U S T J A R E T on Twitter. Uh, I got a YouTube channel. I'm doing videos like Steve. Uh, got some sketches and stuff up there. I'm all over the place, man. Oh, that's Find awesome. Find me. Uh, like me on Facebook. All that stuff. Awesome. So are you are you doing? Um, your art, oh, mm -hmm. let's call it art, because you're doing comedy and improv comedy, so many different things. Yeah. Acting, even? You're doing some acting? Uh, I do. I'm not uh, pursuing that aggressively, you know. No, uh, but if it, something comes along or yeah, you want to create a project. And I mean, that's how I got started in, uh, in you know, being in the entertainment business, was I was a, a theater major. I was big into uh, theater and making movies with all my friends. I, came, I moved to New York thinking that I was going to be an actor. And, you know, long story short, I kind of stepped away from that to uh, spend about a decade drinking with my friends um, and then <laughs> sort of like found comedy after that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's something that I really like doing. It's just not something that uh, if something falls in my lap, I say yes, but was, you know, was, I don't have headshots anymore or anything. Was there a moment when you knew you were going to be a comedian? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I remember uh, I had really hated telling people that. I was an actor when I was waiting tables and drinking because 
I thought it was such a cliche and just felt, I don't know, just didn't feel like me. And then once I started doing improv and doing stand-up and started telling people, like, you know what I think I am? I think I'm a comedian. It just felt better. It just felt more natural and more authentic to what I was, you know? I feel the same way. I feel like tonight uh, when I went out there, like, I've been doing stand-up for 20 years, but I've only been doing it part-time because of the rural nature of where I live and my proximity to my kids. I'm divorced, so mm. kids go back and forth, long story longer. I am doing stand-up in rural areas, you know, once a month, that sort of thing. So I kind of, like, save up all my my little precious jokes like a squirrel mm-hmm. preparing for winter when it's nuts. So I, I, I get these bursts of uh, joy that I try to ride when, when I perform. A lot of it is just facial expressions, milking, uh, cheesy puns and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to develop, uh, you know, a little bit better of a writing skill. Um, I certainly think you're a really good writer. Who are some of the, like, sharp uh, writing comedians or, or performing? Who's your favorite comedian today? Oh, God. I think my two favorites right now, uh, Roy Wood Jr. is pretty famous. People know about him. He's on The Daily Show. Uh, there's a woman who I think is, like, just going to be breaking through soon named Lisa Traeger. She's fucking hysterical. I like comedians who do things that I can't do. Like, I don't understand how she writes her material and how she gets laughs off of it. It's so funny and it's so dense and fast. Uh, there's a guy who just has an HBO special out right now called Gary Goleman called The Great Depression. Uh, one of my favorite He's writers. He's so fucking good. <laughs> Is so he good? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are probably like the three people that I say, you know, if, uh, if someone's asking like, who do I like right now? Like, those are probably my top three, I would say. Like, I lived in Calgary about 15 years ago mm-hmm. and I did a lot of stand-up when I was there. Like, I almost every night I was at some kind of open mic or, you know. Um, but I found that the crowds were fairly good in, in Calgary. But then when I went to Toronto, I noticed that the open mics were very different because the city is so huge. There were so many open mics that there was, like, a lot of uh, empty rooms and mm. 10, 20 people. Yeah. Uh, New York's not like that. Uh, no, New York 100% is like that. Is know? it? Yeah, there's a thousand open mics and a thousand shows. So, so you guys are actively seeking out hot rooms oh. that you know there's crowds because they have But I mean, even in a, even in a hot room. Mm-hmm. Trendy they, room, whatever you want to call you it. You know, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a running joke going on in New York called, uh, you know, it was packed last time. You know, even there are so many fucking. You fuckers. I'm, ser- I'm serious. That's there awesome. are so many great shows in New York that yeah. you like. You know, you work for months to get on, and then you show up, and you're like, this is what I was working for, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you know, it's such an honor to, to do the show still, even if it's a light crowd and everything. But, yeah, it just happens. There's just so much stand-up in New York. There's so many shows. There's so many options for people. It's a real crapshoot, man. And the shows that are consistently booked are few and that are consistently packed with audience members are few and far between so gotham for example is a real rarity yeah well the clubs are uh generally doing better than the independent shows right uh but there is there's exceptions to that of course yeah here we have the luxury of there being nothing else (laughs) so we opened out and uh you know i mean there's roughly two hundred thousand people in this area um, it, you have to look at all the communities combined to get that population. Mm-hmm. There's people here to see um, this show that are coming from neighboring cities that are an hour, two hours away. 
Yeah. Some even the four hours away. the closest comedy they can get to. Yeah, exactly. So we have that advantage. However, it's not always packed. You know, mm-hmm. we find in the summertime it's half full, you know. So crowds are different. It's hard to read. Um, but it's so much fun when there's a packed room, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Don't you always want that? It's the like, fucking best, man. Yeah. And I mean, there's value in, you know, doing smaller, more intimate shows where you can kind of stretch your legs a little bit maybe pacing is different pacing's different just it's a different muscle isn't yeah it? yeah and uh those shows make you better at the pack shows also which is yeah which is fun so how long have you been doing stand-up uh you know i usually say about 10 years it's difficult to say because for a while i wasn't taking it seriously so i don't know how to count what those early <laughs> years yeah it's true it's time to get serious about comedy Jack. yeah i was just uh you know i was i was getting up like like, I don't know, five times a year, I think, something like that. Wow. And this is in New York where there was no excuse for me to not be getting up that much. And right. I was always writing new material because all my material was so bad. I thought that it was such a skill that I was like, oh, I'm constantly generating new stuff when it was a sign of my own weakness that I didn't that I didn't have confidence in any of the jokes that I told before. Really? And so finally I had, like, a friend who was also getting started around the same time, and he basically just, like, sat me down and so, like, gave me some hard truth. It's like, you need to fucking suck it up, man. You need to work on these jokes. You need to be, like, crafting them. You need to be doing them over and over again in front of an audience so you can see what works and you can fix the things that aren't working instead of just going back to the drawing board every single time. And you need to be getting up multiple times a week instead of this fucking once every couple of months thing, man. I mean, I, again, you know, was really, really lucky. I waited tables for a long time. Uh, I was able to build up a big nest egg, and so when I finally started just living off comedy money, uh, I was never really want for anything. I didn't have any. I didn't have any lean years going into it, um, and I'm almost at the point where I am making more than I'm spending. I'm not quite there yet, so I'm still in the struggle. I'm still in the hustle. But is it like uh, for me? I work construction as my mm-hmm. day job, yeah. and it's boom and bust. Yeah, you get, you know, two grand for this job. And then maybe no one else needs their basement wired for a little bit. Yeah. And then, so is it kind of like that? Like in the lean times, you're kind of dipping into your nest egg. And then when it's good, you kind of try to save a little. And, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, you know, I'm always looking There should out be for... like financial advisors for comics. Uh, like, they really should start should a side be. hustle with it. Do that. <laughs> well, I mean, who would pay me? All the fucking broke comics. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, it's yeah, a, and do comics. you find like in New York... You have kind of like your your people that you relate to better and you kind of uh, have like a little bit of a, a group that you run things by or hang out with or do shows with that you, you enjoy uh, seeing. Like, do you have friendships and comedy? Is that a ridiculous question? Absolutely. Because I, I mean, enjoy those. That's one thing that I, I really enjoy. I, I know you can't always count on it. You walk into a room, you're just different people. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, there is a subculture here, certainly like a small community of people that kind of... Uh, not necessarily workshop shit, but mm-hmm. sometimes we will just happen to be at the same gig and we'll enjoy each other's company. And, and that feels like more of a bond than, you know, working my day job with somebody, for yeah. example. Mm-hmm. Do you find you have bonds like that in comedy? Of course, yeah. I mean, one of the things that sucks about stand-up is that the more successful you get, the more everybody just kind of like splits off and does their own thing. You know, there have been a bunch of times where I'm just like... You know, I haven't seen this guy in uh, months because he's on the road and I'm on the road. And when I'm in town, he's... You know, in uh, Chicago, when I'm in Des Moines, he's in New York, you know. And but so, don't you love when you get together and you're like, oh, fuck, Des Moines? I played that room. Yeah. That was so-and-so. Remember the waitress and the, did the thing with the, you know, whatever. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's cool. I, I like that. I like visiting um, 
different places. I got to go down to Halifax, which is only four hours away, but mm-hmm. felt like I was touring again, you know. Because when I was younger, I did. I toured uh, Western Canada and stuff with Yuck Yucks, and, like, I went all around uh, Canada. And um, what a gift and a pleasure. And uh, actually did my first show in the United States, but... It was in Maine, so I don't know if that counts. Of course, but, Maine uh, <laughs> counts. It's part of the Big 50. That's right. So, um, yeah, I didn't find it any different. I mm-hmm. found it really good. Like, people had a bit of a New England accent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wicked pissa, kind of like Boston, right? Of course. But it was just, they loved it. You know, it was an easy crowd. Like, it, I didn't find it any, you know. Do you go places and expect that it's going to be different? When you try to make people laugh. Yes, but I mean... Sorry, my apologies. You do make people laugh because <laughs> I just witnessed it, but go oh, on. Of course. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, every time I go to a different place, I'm just like, are these people going to hate my views on X, Y, or Z? You know, are they going to like... Are they going to... Are, are the things that I'm saying too culturally specific to where I'm from? But, you know, you try to... You try to weigh your set towards the beginning with things that, are, things that are universal. You build up some credit with the audience. And you get those early laughs. You can You can stretch out a little bit and try things that might be a little contra maybe they're not gonna like this joke if it's more of a conservative crowd. Maybe they don't really like dirty stuff. Maybe they don't like that I'm a liberal, you know, uh Right. That's an issue in the yeah, States. It could be yeah, absolutely. But you know, you uh you 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 sort of like follow the ebbs and flows of how your set's going and then if they if they're not really digging the political stuff, you go to the sex. If they don't like the sex you Go to we, the we don't know, in Canada stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we don't in Canada. We don't um, get for the in general. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I do love you guys to say generalize. Liberal. What does liberal mean in Canada? Is it the same as America? Or it no? means left. It, it means, means middle left. Middle left. I think, in my who, opinion, who are like your hardcore left party? Like the Green Party. The Green Party. Gotcha. You know, okay. um, there's probably other people that are more educated in politics that could tell you mm-hmm. more specific yeah. details of other new like, groups that are starting. You guys call it like conservatives. Like there's a new group called the People's Alliance mm. that sounds really left and liberal, mm-hmm. but it's probably conservative. Yeah. So there's different um, things happening all the time, but we don't really talk to each other much about politics. Like they, they will diss uh, Trudeau. You know, they'll say, mm-hmm. ah, fucking Trudeau. They'll di-. But they would say that, uh, you know, they, they blame uh, oh, high tax. You know, there's just a general grumble about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's not an incessant What's he, hatred. Is he a liberal? Uh, yes. Is he he's, part of the Liberal Party? He's the, he's the head of the Liberal Party. Okay, was that's probably a good link up then. Because yeah. I think liberal Trudeau is similar to what liberals in, in America think. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess he's our closest to Bernie Sanders we got. Um, Ooh, but, but, that's great. But, but not really. Love me I, some I, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I just... I feel like there's a bit of a phoniness or a hesitation to give people what they need. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, I can't give you an example, but, you know, he says that, you know, immigrants are welcome and stuff like that. And I wonder how many policies he's actually, you know, helping yeah. or how many uh, laws he's getting changed or like, what is he doing to make it better? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was in Maine one time, um, I had an American that married into our family and I went down to visit his sister uh, we were down there for 4th of July, which is amazing, by the way. Like, Canada Day sucks compared to 4th of July. Like, you guys throw fucking candy off of fucking parades and we, uh, floats. And... We're big on excess yeah, in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big cans of beer, big barbecue, big mm-hmm. fireworks, baby mm-hmm. strollers with the American flag. You guys are nuts. Yeah. Here in Canada, we're like, 
okay, we're going to meet with our coffee by the riverbank. They're going to set off some fireworks at 10, mm -hmm. not 12, because we've got to get the kids to bed. And then okay. we'll go home and have some nice, polite sex. <laughs> That's right, exactly. That's exactly, you nailed it. It's We are a ridiculous people. Mm. And, and and we know that, you know, the Americans are also ridiculous. Yeah, and, yeah. And we're you're, religious, you, you, ridiculous you're pretty open reasons. about that. You're oh, pretty open about yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to be able to to uh, be critical of, you know, your own country and recognize what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm slowly beginning to put more politics into my, into my stand-up. I'm trying to do it in a way that's not really preachy, but is still funny, where I'm at least getting my perspective across. Well, see, I was trying to be funny in po with politics to this American lady, mm -hmm. but I didn't understand how serious some Americans take their politics. Yeah, yeah. Like, everywhere I went down there, there was picket signs on the lawn that says, Lewiston for governor, mm -hmm. and all this stuff, right? And I was just like, wow, these guys really like, and flags, and you know, it was just like, wow, they're patriotic, and that's cool. But I didn't understand. I walked in and I saw it said like, uh, you know, say, for example, I can't remember the name, but it was like, you know, Mullinger for governor or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I walked into the room and I looked at this sister-in-law that I'm meeting for the first time. And I said, oh, I wish I was American so I could vote against that joker Mullinger or whatever. Right. <laughs> she looked me in the eyes. And she said, you have a twisted view of what it's like to be an American. Whoa. And I was like, hold on. I'm I Canadian. I should explain. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I was going to be stabbed by a patriot. I don't know. <laughs> but um, so do you worry uh, about uh, the increasing violence in the United States? Or do you even of see course. that? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, I'm terrified for my country right now. It is a very... Tense. Very tense, very difficult moment in American politics. And in American comedy, too. Uh, yeah, but, you know, there's no stakes in American comedy. You know, like, so-and-so loses his job because he said something something shitty. You know, like, that's not... that. This, it's so much less consequential than the things that are going on in politics. It just makes me, you know... It, my, my, it's my terrifying. Loop, my loophole for this time mm -hmm. in this uh, political climate and this sensitive time in our culture is uh, I try to speak from the heart, even if I have something um, that may be considered controversial to say. Mm -hmm. I speak from my heart, and I try to be as honest as I can with the audience. And I find that even when I am saying something that is kind of like, why would you say that, you know, like you offend me or something. At least you're being sincere and people enjoy I, that. I think if people can see that you're a good person in your heart, if you yeah. can show them that, then you'll have that advantage. And uh, mm -hmm. also it's, it Very helps sad. me when I start to bomb too. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, like, he's a good I'll, kid. We I'll, should I'll, laugh at some yeah, of these jokes. He's not, yeah, that joke sucked, but it's Shane. You know what I mean? He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. And you're a nice guy. And I'm so happy to meet you, man. And I hope you come back to Chuckles. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like even if it's not with Steve, like you're you're so talented of course, and uh, i enjoyed your comedy so much i'll definitely be subscribing to your youtube channel which Dope. is uh jared it's just youtube slash jared berenstein okay i'm gonna link it up mm -hmm. and uh, all of the birchwood podcast listeners will be subscribing they have to or i'll hate them forever <laughs> and they won't want that um so uh thank you sounds good thank you for having me thank you jared <laughs> nice to meet you there you oh too. wait your book oh yeah the kellyanne conway technique american politics Okay, I'm going to buy one. I, I want you to sign it. But also, uh, I will tell my listeners to buy the Kellyanne Conway Technique, Perfecting the Ancient Art of Delivering Half-Truths, Fake News, and obs I can't Obfuscation. say that. Obfuscation. 
with, with a smile. smile. It's funny, even if you don't know anything about American politics. Or if you're like me and can't read. It's <laughs> written by Jarrett Berenstein. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you too, man. Thanks, man. My next run game, we ain't never leave, never leave. Counting up this money, we ain't never sleep, never sleep. You got V12, I got 12 V. Got bottles, got weed, got mileage. I'm all the way. Shorty, what you want? I got what you need. Shorty, what you want? I got what you need. Shorty, what you want? I got what you need. I'm all the way up. I'm all the way up. I'm all the way up. All the way up. Tell me all the way up, Drake. You know you made it when the vacuum mash made it, it's worth millions Lemonade is a popular drink and it still is Survival of the littest Niggas who really up first, niggas up in your business I'm in the room where real niggas not allowed I'm the only one in the room that they fear right now I think they clear right now Let's celebrate no red champagne, we don't play that All we see is gold bottles and paper plane hats 21 Grammys that I use for Duce cups I'm on the penthouse floor, call your way up The OG said ho, high is high enough I said till we eye and eye with the higher ups Until we let them know we ain't those niggas Until our babies showered in gold, nigga Blue looking like Pac in the tub David LaChapelle levels and not giving a fuck Prince Left his masses where they safe and sound. We never gonna let the elevator take a way I'm all the way up. 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 Nothing can me. I'm all the way up. This wasn't me, this was God's doing. And this time I won't finger roll. Pat Ewing. They ain't wanna see the squad in the rock. Now they chasing the wraith like Mr. Softy's on the block. Stars on the roof, got a feeling like Venus Getting so much brain, now I'm a dog called a genius Ever since Pump been gone, been independent So I went and threw the punch jump, man, up independent I flooded out all the crisis Out of Paris, I learned what real ice is I'm kicking flavor in your ear I just had a gray on my face and it disappeared I just dropped the biggest of checks and the shit cleared When everybody counted us out just this year uh, I'm Steph Curry in the clutch Take a shot of this royal elite And go all the way up hey.